Hello, and welcome to another episode of Cast Into the Fire podcast. I'm Sarah. I'm Bill. And uh, we're going to be discussing the second episode of House of the Dragon, titled The Rogue Prince. Um, one thing that was different from the last episode is they started with the regular Game of Thrones theme music. Da, 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 you know it. Yeah. And... That I did not notice. You know, you hadn't stepped into the room when the first uh, few okay. minutes. And it actually showed blood flowing down in like little rivulets and going into the different uh, sigils. And I'm assuming that's a symbolic thing either for the blood of the dragon or um, the upcoming bloodshed from the upcoming civil war. It was a bit of a different choice though. And so when the show actually opens, it has, um, it's not opening into Westeros, it's on the Stepstones, which are some islands between Westeros and Essos. They're a major seafaring shipping lane, so to speak. Yeah. Um, technically not under Westeros control officially. They got a lot of piracy there. And they open right on a bunch of men being executed by being eaten alive by crabs. It's very gruesome. It wasn't that. Alright, it's gruesome in its implications. They didn't show it for that long. They didn't show it for dogs. that long, but you one of them was alive. Though. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, one guy was alive, and they show it two times. They show it two times, yes. And this is the actions of Kragus Drehar, the crab feeder, who is a Myrish admiral. And he starts out, he's executing pirates this way, at least you know, going by the book. Um, but the implication here is he started just, you know attacking and executing sailors from Westeros. Uh, in the book, there's more to it of um, the Asosi who are running the islands are taxing the Westeros ships harder and harder and, you know, they're taking money, they're taking goods. Um, the Lysene are actually taking slaves for their pleasure houses. Yeah. And that hasn't been gone into in the show, at least not yet. And it's worth pointing out that the line between pirate and not pirate is kind of blurred. blurred. Well, I didn't know that because they just introduced them as pirates, but Sarah explained the background. Sarah, you want to explain any of the background of that? Uh, what, what do you mean about it? It's no, just, just how it's blurred. How they were like, uh, you said oh, somebody official... working, somebody who might be officially a captain for one country yeah. might be viewed as a pirate by another it's... company because country because of what they're doing, and that's got <laughs> historical real life yeah, examples that's, of that's that too. Oh, uh, like maybe you're a pirate for Spain, but England, um, 
your captain or vice yeah, versa. Like, yeah, it's exactly. It's it's called privateering. So and this crab feeder guy he's got a really uh he's got the harpy helmet on very tight to his face and he's also shown he's got the grayscale disease and I think they were trying to make him look as much as possible at least they may have been trying to make him look as much as possible like one of Davy Jones' fishmen crew from Pirates of the Caribbean using means that would make sense in Game of Thrones world like you know make make his skin look weird by having him have grayscale, have him have that broken helmet on so it'll look like his face is, uh, has something going on. Yeah. Now, if the grayscale thing, he didn't have that in the book, but if he does, you know, that could, you know, add some e- explanation to madness or desperation or just, you know, he's dying anyway, he's gonna just do whatever now. Um... And then the scene goes to they're in the council, you know, back in Westeros, and Corley's Valerion, the sea snake, wants yeah, the crown to do something about this or give permission for him to go and do something about it. You know, these are the shipping lanes that the wealth and livelihood of House Valerion is depending on. And, and, and the Valerian is, is very, uh, House Valerian is very concerned about that. They mentioned that in the show, that they are be at risk of being basically uh, cut off economically. And, uh, and the king is very indecisive about doing anything about it because he doesn't want war with the free cities of Essos. Yeah, he's are... clearly trying to... He's clearly trying to be a peacetime king. And it's kind of interesting because you see how he is uh, in this, how he rules. You see that he's trying to rule very diplomatically the whole time. Uh, even though he has uh, all this power. I mean, he has dragons. He has... You know, dragons, he's a very powerful uh, dynasty going on, and and powerful allies, but he's trying to rule diplomatically. And what's interesting is that that is clearly, you know, pissing off his allies and his family. He's trying to do that. Now, the free cities are powerful enough that any war with them is going to have a heavy cost to the kingdom. The main threat are the three cities who currently have an alliance. Um, Meyer, Lys, or Lys. I'm not actually sure on the pronunciation. Or, and Volantis. They're allied together, the three of them. And you know, between them, that is a pretty strong force that you... It's very strong. It's you know, pretty much all the... I feel like that's, like, 90 to 95%, like, minimum of, like, the militaries in that area. Tyrosh. Yeah. Actually, you know, I think I messed up here for a bit. I 
I believe it was Tyrosh that was on the Alliance yeah. and that Lise was not part of the main and while you're at it Damon has taken Dragonstone and you know taken his mistress with him yeah. and Viserys has sent envoys to Pentos and to Volantis but just you know peaceful envoys Rhaenyra thinks that they should send dragon riders to you know, show off a bit of force. They have dragons. Yeah, I mean, I will say this. A lot of people are uh, really... Uh, and I wonder if like they don't fully understand dragons. But you, but they have to, because Targaryens used the dragons more, like, you know, more liberally in the past, didn't they? I mean, they conquered using dragons. And they had... But, you know, showing off that they have these dragons, even if they don't use them right away, you know? Still, if I were a pirate, and somebody said, yo, that, those people you are pirating actually have dragons. Wooden ships with uh, pitch on the outside? I don't even, even any ship, like, they're dragons. I'd be like, okay, you mean dragon dragons? Yes, dragon dragons. So, I'd be uh, a little wary about that. Uh, you can see that Rhaenyra is already thinking politically as the heir. They're still having her be cupbearer, though. Which, well, cupbearer actually in the context of Westeros is not the same as a servant. Lots of very high-born and princes and princesses were cupbearers before they were old enough to you know, have any actual power. It isn't quite, uh, oh, they're making her be a servant, but she is the heir. You'd think, you know, she might graduate up from being a cupbearer and actually be on the council. Rhaenyra is given the choice of choosing the next Kingsguard because one of them passed away from natural causes. His name was Rhyme Redwine. And they bring a bunch of candidates forward, and most of them, they've unhorsed some in the tourneys, or one of them caught some regular poacher guy, which doesn't prove that any of them can actually fight in combat in war, which is what Rhaenyra is pointing out. And she chooses Sir Kristen Cole. Yeah. As the next Kingsguard, because he has actually been to war. He's been to war, and he also is clearly a good fighter, because he actually uh, unseated Daemon in, in the tourney. And he, uh, he won that tourney, didn't he? Yeah. He, uh, he's, he's very clearly a capable fighter. Now, I will add that in the book, Rhaenyra does have some kind of a crush on him. Uh, I was wondering that. They seem to be leaning away from this in the show, or at least not revealing no, it yet. No, that's not how I gathered that. And I'll tell you when we get to that part, how I interpreted things. So, I remind, remember that I have not read the books. I'm just going by somebody who's not read the books, who's seen this for the first time. All my reactions are uh, pretty raw. Pretty raw. So. And not that this 
appears to have any relevance to the plot, at least so far. But I noticed among the candidates, there was a Tarly. I, I'm a fan, like to see House Tarly. Yeah. Don't know which one it was. Might have been Alan. I don't know. They never said. And we come to Viserys, and he has a model set of Valyria and uh, little stone dragons. It's very involved. Yeah, some people are already joking that he's playing with his miniatures. Yeah. He is, he is. Um, and he talks about Valyria and, you know, what it was and whether Westeros could be like that with Alicent. You can see they are developing some kind of relationship, at least friendship, and that Alicent is still trying to uh, get to a point where the king might consider her for the next marriage. Keep in mind, you know, her dad put her up to this. This doesn't mean this is necessarily her ambition. And Viserys drops one of his dragon models and it's broken. Yep. <clears throat> Possible. Is that some sort of symbolism or foreshadowing? Who knows? I maybe, we'll maybe see. not. Yeah. And he also tells her that oh, she asks him how Rhaenyra is doing and he doesn't seem really able to face talking to her. And he actually says he'd rather face the Black Dread than 15-year-old daughter. Is this a bit of boomer humor there? Yeah. Uh, Probably. And he also does not want Alicent to tell her about his times, about his time spent with her. You know, he he doesn't want his own daughter to know that he might be developing any kind of relationship with her very close friend, who's possibly more. Yeah. Then we move to a scene of Rhaenyra and Alicent are both in the Sept, which is you know, their church, where they worship the Seven Gods. And they're at an altar. There's a ton of candles at this altar, and I mean a ton. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's this huge altar, and now what god is that specifically? I think it's the Mother. Okay. Which, it's... at least... It, Going by the statue I saw in the background yeah, and like the themes a, of what's going on it here. Like there was a woman, but I couldn't quite tell what it was. Well, the mother, the maiden, and the crone are all women, but yeah. I think this was the mother. And they talk, ab they talk Real about prayer. original George. No, sorry, go ahead. They talk about prayer and um, both mourning their own mothers and how it feel closer to them. The departed when they're in the sept, and you know, it, it's quite a sad and moving scene. 
and also Alicent brings up, you know, that the prospect of the king, you know, might marry again. And you can see that she is picking at her nails from stress. Uh, you can see you that... You can see that they're very stressed. And that she's very stressed specifically. And she, yeah. You could see that in the last episode, too. So this is a thing that she does. And... I think this is to show that there's you know, stuff Allison is struggling with, too, and she's stressed and doesn't really have a good way to deal with it. Yeah. Nope. No productive way of dealing with it, and there's some awkward talks uh, between her and uh, the king. Yeah. Now, meanwhile, we are back to Corlys, and he's pressing about how King's Landing is looking weak to the free cities. It's looking like a target, with the queen recently dead, the heir is a girl, the king's brother has taken Dragonstone, and there are no consequences for that. The crab feeder is controlling the shipping lanes. And the king still, you know, wishes to avoid war, and um, Corlys proposes an alliance between their two houses, marriage between the king and Corlys's 12-year-old daughter, niece of the king, Lyanna. But you can tell that that's very pushed uh, politically, uh, not just... You can tell that's the conventional approach. And you can uh, see, really like, gross, it's politically a good match, but it's, it's morally... Re- well, it's she's really, 12. No, it's really gross. Well, in maybe a lot of medieval areas, that would happen. But At 12 is young even for Westeros. That's... Yeah, and also it's one of those things where, you know, the guy is clearly uncomfortable with it, and rightly so. Right. Um, um, there is... She has this whole speech that she. And we'll get to that in a bit. There's more like awkward talk between the king and Rhaenyra about the death of of you know Queen Emma. It's just very awkward, very uncomfortable. Um. We also get to, if you remember, he cut his hand on the phone last episode and it didn't look like much. Well, now the last finger on his hand is absolutely nasty. It's black. It looks gangrenous. And the maesters are treating it by getting maggots to eat the... I'm sorry, it's gross. Well, were those maggots? Oh, hold on, let's discuss those maggots. Were yes, maggots? I even I tried pausing on it, that scene and looking at those maggots as close as I could, and they may have been. I think they genuinely were maggots, but they may not have been the regular kind of trash maggots. Yeah, I think that they were like a. Uh, they weren't mealworms. No, they weren't mealworms. Well, that's the thing. The reason I, I discussed that is because a lot of the time shows instead of maggots, they use meal. Mealworms are the types of things that turn into, um, they turn into... They're like a little grain beetle. Yeah, they turn into a little grain beetle. They 
are used to feed reptiles and amphibians and spiders and things like that. People use them for that. And they're often used kind of like how, you know, you'll get, like, hissing cockroaches and you'll get emperor scorpions. Oh, I'm sure they have a bug guy who's like, have I got some bugs for you? And I do think they're a species of maggot. I can't tell what kind. And he just sticks his hand into a whole dish of them. Now, I will say... This isn't something that's without any medical merit. It is something that's been used. It's something that some hospitals still use in extremely specific circumstances. And it can help in extremely specific, carefully watched circumstances. I am certainly not telling you to go and put maggots on yourself in any way. Yeah. Um, but it's a thing. Although... That hand doesn't look like it's... It looks past help, and... It looks like they should just take his finger, and I'm saying this as somebody who... Hates the idea of surgery. Well, I... Medieval, I think that whole hand's coming off, buddy. And while this is going on, they're still talking about that marriage alliance that Viserys does not seem enthused about. And the next scene, he's just walking near the seashore with Lyanna, who looks very young. And Lyanna is cool. She's talking about dragons and different dragons and whereas Vagar's whereabouts somewhere on the coast and people have heard Vagar singing... So Lehenna is cool. She's all about dragons. Good for her. And then she gets to talking about like what a good marriage match she would be and how many sons she would have for the king. And Viserys looks very uncomfortable with all of this, as he should. And he asks her if this was what her father told her to say and what did her mother say. And she said that she wouldn't have to bed him till she turned 14. Like, yeah, that's pretty bad too, you know. And the king, you know, continues to look super uncomfortable, as he should. And while this is going on, Rhaenyra and um, Lana's mother, Rhaenys, are talking together... And Rhaenys asks Rhaenyra if this bothers her. And Rhaenyra gives the line about, oh, the king must take a new wife and strengthen his line. And Rhaenys is like, no, don't give me the politics. Give me what you really think. And Rhaenyra doesn't directly answer, but says, yeah, she's your daughter. How do you feel about this? Does it bother you? And Rhaenys answers that, you know, it does bother her, but she understands the order of things and this is the way things are and also that if Viserys has a son with a new wife that the realm is going to expect the son to be the heir when the king passes away and Rhaenyra is like when I'll be when I'm queen I will make a new order 
and you know, Rainey's brings up that they already had that opportunity, but they passed over her as queen over you know, for Viserys, who is male and more distantly related from the previous ruler, but male. Yeah. So this has already happened. And ask Venera if she reminds him of this when she's carrying cups for the you know, guys at the council. And but she says in exact quotes, men would sooner put the realm to the torch than see a woman ascend the iron throne and your father is no fool. Some men would Um quite a few of the men of Westeros. Not all of them. Yeah, we've already seen that there were men that did bend the knee to Rhaenyra as heir just fine. Yeah. Um, Viserys is next seen with Alicent, also discussing this pressure to marry soon. And she outwardly sounds like she's okay with him marrying Lyanna, but it's clear on her face that she is both trying to still you know, look interested in the king and that she you know, feels some disappointment in the king already you know, looking at somebody else. Once again, I don't think this actually reflects her wishes, but she is under pressure from her dad, the hand of the king. And she gives Viserys a new stone dragon from the stone mason to replace the one that was broken. Yeah. Which, well, it's not exactly a huge gift, but it's a thoughtful one. Now, back to the, the small council. Daemon has stolen a dragon egg. This dragon egg was from Dreamfire, one of the dragons in, that was at King's Landing. Yeah. And this dragon egg was the one that was originally going to go to Venera's little brother who didn't live for more than a day. So yeah. that's a big insult there. Yeah, it's a very big insult to uh, both uh, her and the king. And... Part of this news is Damon is going to marry his mistress, Missaria. Now, his wife is... Alive, is she or not? Do we know? She is still alive at in the Vale, so... Damon is trying to go on a historical precedent that some Targaryens had been polygamous before. And he's going to do it too. I'm sure that his wife in the veil is absolutely not okay with this. She may not even know about it. Yeah, but he's doing it. And he's he doing also it. is claiming that he genuinely loves uh, his mistress. And she may be the closest to anybody that he does genuinely love. Yeah. He's also saying that she is pregnant. Although there are some reasons later to think this may not be the truth. And he's going to put the egg in with the baby's cradle because that's what they do. They put eggs in with their baby cradle so the egg can hatch and the hatchling can be raised with the child and you know, bond and 
that's a Targaryen thing. I know, just picturing putting a toothy little reptile and raising it with an infant, but... And he invites the king to the wedding in two days' time. Now, I don't think this invitation is in good faith at all. I think this is an attempt to taunt his brother. Yeah, I'm doing what I want. I'm doing it right now. I've given you practically no notice. Deal with it. And so what happens then is well, that... Is the confrontation that, uh, this is, now who was that? His name is Cole? Oh, right before the, the getting to the part about the confrontation, Alicent meets with her father again, and he brings up the nail picking, and he makes it in a way that he's like, oh, you're the comeliest girl in King's Landing, why are you destroying yourself? And this, this feels like it's either... Like, you're wrecking your prettiness, stop. Or, you're pretty, so what do you have to feel bad about? Either way, it's not truly caring about her in a good way. And suggests again that she... Suggests that she see the king again tonight. Which, uh... I don't know whether the implication here is that she has slept with the king, or... It could be not that, and it's just a last-ditch... You know, get the king's attention before he goes and marries the other girl. Even though I don't think the king ever wanted this because of the whole she's 12 thing. Alison is young compared to the king. I'm not sure the exact intended age. I'm guessing mid or late teens, which is still not good but it's not 12 nope and uh, back to Dragonstone Viserys has sent men to confront Daemon and these include the Hand of the King Otto Hightower, Kristen Cole who as we were saying uh, unseated him at the tourney and the maesters there. Um, and Damon has his gold cloaks with him because they went to Dragonstone with him because he's their commander. And yeah, words are passed back about... Yeah, I unseated you at the tourney. Yeah, he goes on about that. He thinks he's going to win. And, of course... You know, his men are there. They unsheathe their swords. The other men unsheathe their swords. And Damon just does what I would have done and says, It doesn't matter what you've I've done. I've got a big dragon. It doesn't matter that you've unseated me at the tourney. It doesn't matter what your past accomplishments are. It doesn't matter that you have, like, the elite guards that are soon to be dead. Because they're going to be dead because here's a dragon. Here is a dragon. It is a very big dragon. Look and, at this dragon. And he almost gives the command, and of course the guys do what uh, any sensible person does and surrender immediately because it's a dragon and they're going to die. And then what happens? But Rhaenyra yeah. comes. Yeah, Rhaenyra comes and she is 
flying Cyrex. She kind of pops up out of nowhere because she just comes right out of the fog. I and thought that was brilliant, though. Because yeah. you get to see dragon action. You get to see that she is... You know, she's young, but she is a Targaryen. She yeah, you saw that. You were like, HBO, you, you can continue to take my money. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. She, she continue. She is going... She's clearly trained to be an heir... Uh, you know, she understands her power, and she's not afraid to use it. And so she has the dragon. She confronts her uncle, too. Um, confronts him about... She's taken... He's taken the egg. He's marrying this woman when he's already married. Now, he does bring up he didn't choose his wife, which is probably true. And... This is her castle. She's Princess of Dragonstone. Yep. Uh, he should, you know, clear off out of her castle. And with the she says her dragon is very protective of her, so with the threat of the dragon there, uh, she says to him, uh, she's the one who's in his way. Do it. Kill her now if he's going to. And he wisely doesn't and tosses the egg back to her. Right, it's well, ho- Yeah, but hold on. Let's get to the whole thing. How you said how that guy, uh, Cole, that's his name? Yeah. The house Cole, he has a crush on Rhaenyra? No, she has a crush she on him. him. Well, he was looking at her very impressed. I sort of grasped that there was a degree of chemistry. Now, I knew ahead of time what Sarah told me, and that is that Damon has a thing for Rhaenyra. Yes, he so does. that, in the books. So, that, I think, was sort of played out. I think that that was played out, and that it was played out that, you know, she has a thing for for House, you know, Mr. House Cole guy, and it's sort of a weird thing. And, of course, it's gross, because she's like, what, like, I guess she's 16 or 17 in this. I don't know. I'm sure the actress is like 22. See, the actress is 22. Yeah. Um, I think that Rhaenyra is probably meant to be like 14. Yeah, something like that. She's clearly meant to be almost like a Daenerys type character. So, yeah, the dragon egg is returned. It gets put in its little fire brazier to be carried back. And it to be properly marinated in fire. Right. Because that's what ne- dragons need, apparently. And I'll say the dragons looked awesome. I've seen some fan criticism about the design for Caraxes. Oh, his neck is too long, or yeah. he looks No, I, not well, as I cool. thought that made it look awesome. I think he looks awesome, too. I thought that making him look that way is a cool thing, because it shows you how different the dragons can look. And... Um... Also... The thing about Missaria being pregnant, it's, when this is brought up, Damon looks pretty hesitant about it, Missaria actually walks away, 
and he kind of pulls back at about it. He's like, one day. So I think the implication is that she's not actually pregnant at all, and he just said that. Or maybe she is, but you know, it's supposed to be kept secret. And after this altercation, Messiah actually goes to Damon privately about it and is like, why are you announcing this wedding? Why are you announcing she's with child? This puts her in danger. I, I took that to mean that she was not pregnant at all and that she is insulted to an extent. And as Sarah said, she's fearing the fact and realizing that she's become a She's a, a target. huge political game. Apparently, Damon had swore to protect her, and maybe that's why she's with him. Um, as a sex worker, that's very dangerous. She's in danger from you know whatever manager or pimp she may have had. She's in danger from customers. Um, given that she is in a world where you know, Essos allows slavery, she probably was a literal slave at some point. She knows her position is dangerous. You know, she says she's lived in fear and that she's been sold a bunch of times. So, it's likely she is with Damon for protection now. The choice of somebody that high up on the royal line might not be the best as far as protection goes because that makes her a target in ways that maybe a regular rich man wouldn't as much. And you know, she brings up, if this goes bad and he gets executed the regular way, you know, as a highborn royal, what's going to happen to her, a you know, common-born sex worker? They're going to do something much, much worse to her if Damon loses this. All right. Um, there's another conversation with the king and Lord Strong about this marriage that he doesn't want. and But also that Corley's is going to take offense if his daughter is turned down and he might not help the king with his ships, his navy, if he doesn't get this alliance. And Viserys you know, thinks he wouldn't dare to do this, but you know, he might. Yeah, but Viserys has dragons. Viserys has dragons. And the preview for the next episode implies that there's going to be dragons. Although, what happens is uh, something happens behind the back of Viserys. Yes. Rhaenyra just shows up re returning from her trip to Dragonstone, and Viserys didn't know she'd even gone. And, of course, he's angry that she's done this without his knowledge and put herself in danger. 
and they both start to talk about you know their grief of Queen Emma and he again you know confirms that even if he he's going to marry again but she's still his heir you know even then but they're going to need more kids to uh, have a line that's not as easily uh, sure. killed off it it's his duty to have more. And then the king announces to the whole council that he's going to marry and it's going to be Alison Hightower. And Corlys is clearly angry and Allison looks sad. Rhaenyra looks both sad and angry and just walks right out of the room. Yeah. You know, she feels betrayed that her dad is going to marry her friend. Her friend slash... Maybe a bit more. And... Maybe. Okay, not maybe. Well, I don't know. I mean... Um, there's been some cast interview where... It, where they do say that they are supposed to be a bit more. They I get that. It it's a like friendship that, that blurs it's into. HBO. They're making it look like they're more than friends. They, like, they don't straight up say they are lovers, but it's. Well, at the very least, uh, Rhaenyra clearly has a crush on her. So, yeah, that happened. And they later show. Corley is talking with Damon, and he's talking about how House Valerion is an ancient house, and they're also from Valeria, and they're older than the Targaryens, but they didn't, they weren't dragon lords, they didn't have dragons, and they got their power from the sea and trade, and, you know, they took the power for themselves, you know, they made their house what it is, without the help of dragons. And Viserys is not uh, taking the action that he should, and Damon is a bit offended because he's like, uh, I can talk about my brother in this way, but you're not his brother. Um, but also, Corley says they're both, you know, second second sons, you know, both through House Valerian being like this and Damon as a literal second son and he makes an alliance with Damon to go deal with the pirate situation at the Stepstones and um, show Damon's worth by you know, action fighting the pirates and uh, that's how it ends, but there's also a preview. Uh, this isn't really a spoiler because this is what they're already showing to people without the episode airing. But it shows that the king and Alicent have a boy. And that Rhaenyra is getting arranged into a marriage that she doesn't want. You see her like angrily riding off on her horse. Um, not the dragon. And you also see a the beginning of a pirate versus dragon battle and Otto talking to his daughter Alicent about setting her son Aegon as heir so this is um, 
setting the stage for the real drama that's ha- going to happen. And um, Bill's eager to see pirates versus dragons. You're saying. So um, we'll get to that next week. Thank you for listening to Cast It Into the Fire podcast, and good night. Good night.